Abba, you have again graced me with this new day, breath, to be in and around and sharing your words with those that have an ear and want to hear what is different in my life. And Father God, to be able to sow the seeds and questions and desire in the heart to have Jesus Christ as their personal savior. To give the opportunity for anyone that will listen to hear your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom. For it is all your truth, knowledge, and wisdom that you have shared with me. Feed into me and allow me to be the conduit to share from your treasury, Father God. Abba Yahweh. Aman. Yeshua Aman. Parakletos Aman. So, I'm sharing today kind of a reminder of, of some things I've, I've shared that when our walk is closer to God, it seems the more turmoil and tumult and things that are going on that will draw our attention and ultimately become very discouraging. Because here's the thing, we, by nature, are self-debasing. We, there is no artist, there is no artist critic worse than themselves. Uh, adages talk about this all the time. And you think that these uh, <laughs> companies pay these uh, promotional speakers to come and do all this stuff here, the, the self-motivators and all those people that claim all that. Let me share this truth with you, brothers and sisters, that there is a great deal of things that go on that they don't share with you that is disturbing, it's can be agitating, but here's the thing, it, it's, it's a fear-based issue. All of these thoughts and these processes are fear-based. And what is fear? And who is fear? Fear is a liar. And it is a pseudonym given to Satan, fear. He's got a few names and fear being one of them. But remember what fear is, false evidence appearing real. Look around you brothers and sisters and look around you folks that are, are listening. False evidence appearing real. It is happening now. It's happening today, and they're using fear as a driving force and making people fearful. I've shared with you about that. But here's the upside to this, and in my daily reading, I mean, I love the fact that God knows that we are indeed broken. We are walking in this plane of existence he doesn't want us to try to be perfect because we will not be and we cannot be, not until Lord Jesus comes back and we are transfigured and we become glorified and we become like our Lord because the Bible tells us that will take place. So the upside is that God is always faithful, always faithful. 
he deals out grace and mercy because here's the here's the you have to realize <coughs> pardon me you must realize that grace and mercy are two different things and grace is what we were saved by because God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son who was sacrificed and hung on the cross, shed his blood for us. That was grace. And the mercy that God deals out is allowing us to continue, draw a breath every morning and get up and move through the course of the day. Because if we got what we deserved, if God was not a merciful God, a good, good father, a loving father, and he didn't so love the world, let me tell you this, would have been gone a long time ago. It would have been as it was in the days of Noah. It would have been Sodom and Gomorrah. It would have been like Jericho. The walls came tumbling down. The cities imploded and were swallowed up by the desert. And the waters not only came down, but they came up. Groundwater came up from the ground and down from the heavens at the same time. If God was not merciful, that would be the end game. But he is merciful. He loves us so much, that little two-letter word. How can you even wrap your, your hands around it? You can't. You can't see to the other side of the universe. You can't, you can't even stand out in your front yard at night and look up and see the other side of the galaxy. That's because it is so vast. They have radio electronic telescopes that they shoot out into deep space and the signal coming back to the earth has taken decades to get here so that we can even see pictures of these things that God put out there, nebulas and other formations in space. That's how vast it is. It's so deep. That's how deep space is. But God is so great. And his grace never fails. His promises do not fail. We just have to remember to stand not only on the promises that God makes, we have to hold on to them. Hold on to them tightly with faith. Bind them close to you with faith. Faith and trust. You trust the mechanic, you trust the pilots, you trust other people. Sadly, and unfortunately, there are some that should not be. But yet, because of that fear factor, people are fearfully driven in that direction. Why is it... It's a rhetorical question and shouldn't even ask because it can't even be fathomed to figure it out. And... When you have a whole bunch of people will gather around, you even have theologians that do this, or those that claim that theological degree. And I love it when those truthful individuals that have a theological degree don't get on that bandwagon. 
Well, because of this and because of that, because that they are trying to give an answer to it and they can't. They can't. And in the Bible, oftentimes, and David writes this in his poetry and his songs, to remind us that God is our strong tower. He is our refuge. He will be by us. He will guide us by day, guard us by night. Either the Holy Spirit himself or angels that are sent. God is our sovereign Lord God, but he is also our good father. He is Abba. Not only Yahweh, not only Adonai, not only El Shaddai, not only Rafa, the great physician, the healer, the capability to do those things. He is Abba, our father, our good, good father. And in these times when you debase yourself and you look at yourself and you listen to that white noise interference because you have tripped and fallen and that voice comes and says, you just did that and you're going to go and pray. You're going to get in the Bible. You're going to go to church on Sunday. God doesn't want you in his house. You are filthy. You're no good. And then there are those individuals that buy into that and believe that. <clears throat> and sadly, you see many of them walking around in the streets today. Aimlessly wandering. Talking to the demons that no one can see, but they can see them. And don't dare fall prey to that noise from the devil so that you look down on these people and you judge them. You do not know what they did or didn't do to get to where they are. What path did they walk? What path did they take? And how hard did they fall? There can be no judgment. I believe I shared with this in one of my earlier chats that a man piqued my interest because he was always dressed nicely. He wore a derby. <laughs> I love the fact that he wore this derby. He was proud of that. I believe he shared with me here most recently that he lost it or it was taken. So my interest is piqued by that, first of all, but he didn't speak to anyone. I spoke to some of the, oh, he didn't talk to anybody. In speaking with fellow employees, he didn't talk to anybody. He's weird. He's a weirdo. He's a nut job. He's a this and he's a that. And everything that came out of their mouths was all about judgment and negativity. I pondered this. So the spirit spoke to me and said, here is what you need to do. He is what you need to do. Didn't quite get that, but the spirit directed me to. I just started talking to him. I started being nice to him. 
And before long, he started talking back. Stayed quiet for a long time. And then I learned about the man. See, this is wherein we have a problem on this plane of existence. Before we learn truth, we start spewing sewage out of that pipe, that ebb flow orifice on the front of our mouths. Sadly, it spews a lot of sewage and it comes out before any truth, knowledge, or wisdom in many people. Not in everyone, but in many, it does. They don't find out any information. They don't look for truth. They just listen to what everybody says. And they jump on bandwagons. Well, what I learned about this man was that while he was on sabbatical for one of the many teaching gigs that he does, this man has three PhDs, three. He was a university professor. And while he was on this sabbatical, there was a tragic fire. And he lost every single member of his family that he had left in life. And he plummeted to a very deep and dark place. I share with him often as I see him and as much as I can in the opportunity given. And I, we have to remember too that God is always in that. He brings these folks to me and he brings them for a reason. And it's not to glorify me in any way, shape or form. So I rebuke that in anyone out there that is, is going in that direction. Please don't do that. This is not about Raven. Not about Raven at all. This is about God's glory. Praise to him for he is worthy. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the truth of the Holy Spirit that walks with us and his grace and mercy and his promises. And I do my father's business in order that that gets out there. Yes, I will testify. And yes, some things had me specifically as part of the act in the acting out of that scene. And I will share that, but as a testimony to the glory of God and his hand working through me, because I am a conduit. This is not about me. And you have many, many of these supposed theological wizards that think that they know everything and they study and practice Phariseeism right along with their whatever else they're doing but they put themselves in the middle. They glorify themselves and they brag about themselves. And my favorite teachers, whom I have tried their spirit on, do exactly the opposite. They hold theological degrees. Dr. Charles Stanley, one of my absolute favorite. And the other thing that I like about the individuals and I really favor, they don't speak about denominations. They don't speak about denominations. Instead, what they speak of is the word of God. The word of God. Saying that to say this, we receive and we seek God's face at all times. And remember what David said, 
And Lord, you told me to seek your face. My Lord, my heart, your face I will seek. Might have not got, I think I missed a couple words. But the point being is that God just wants us to seek him. Seeking, looking, and searching diligently, meaning putting an effort out to it. Don't just glance hither and yon, willy-nilly and kind of half-heartedly. These are what I would term as SpongeBob Christians and cultural Christianity. They have no real interest in doing God's business. They have no real interest in being about his business. They have no real interest in sharing his gospel. They attend church because it's a click club for them. They have friends that have been going there for years and invited and they go, they go for them. They don't go to worship God. <coughs> and sadly enough, I see this fairly often. They go and they hang out. And that's what churches become to many, a hangout. And they go for the people that are there instead of for the word and worshiping God. Now, yes, we are a gathering people. Yes, God desires that we come to the house of God and worship because we are a gathering people. And he chooses that we do that rather than not, as many choose to do. But the point is that when you go, you're seeking God, not seeking Joe Blow, not seeking Jane Q. Public or the great coffee that they serve at their little barista stations, which so many churches are doing now. But that's not the purpose of going to church. They're providing that as a comfort for folks. But we go because we seek his face. We want to be closer to God. But remember this too. Again, I will remind you that the closer we get to God, that the, the harder <coughs> the enemy and his minions will come. He will send them. They're like the relentless... Ah, uh, here's an analogy. I'm going to use this. I can't remember how to say it in German, but the, the United States Marine Corps were given this name by uh, the German Special Forces. I can't remember how to say it. Um, I wish I could. But anyway, it was... In the Battle of Bela Woods during the war, World War One, actually, I believe it was where that first term, when the term first came in. And they were called that because during the time of that great battle, they were... Um, it was... Um, it was fierce. It was very cold. And it was uh, given to them by the German infantry because when they went in and they were uh, in the midst of the battle, it was a um, fierce. It was hand-to-hand -hand combat. But here's the thing, too is that the Marines were not gonna give up and give in. 
and the um, name was given them because it was a very fierce hand-to-hand, no ammunition, they didn't have any, but um, they fought valiantly, hand-to-hand combat, ferociously, and the Germans ran away, they retreated, and they left, and, and they said their, their comment was that they fight like hellhounds, or the hounds of hell. And it's pretty amazing that that takes place that way. But here's the thing, is that they are ferocious. And even the real hellhounds that Satan sends out, his minions, they are too ferocious. And we cannot take for granted that they are not real. Brothers and sisters, the Bible tells us, (coughs) pardon me, and reminds us, that we fight a war, a spiritual warfare. The Bible reminds us that we are in a spiritual warfare and things are going on around us all the time that we cannot see. And we are protected from that by the might and the will of God our Father because if we did see these things going on, we would be shaken, so scared, and being driven by fear rather than truth, knowledge, and wisdom, and the righteous things that we should be doing. Fear would take over and it would shake us to our core. Brothers and sisters, that's in the Bible. That is the biblical truth. That is God's word. That is God's truth. And it's in the Bible. And you have to remember too, that Satan himself was described in many different fashions. We can't see it physically, but it's real. He is described as a lion wandering the bush, seeking whom he may devour. Jesus Christ described the the demons that are in his minions. He has called them wolves, wild dogs. He's described those that are behind the dice on the pulpit that teach false doctrine and teach falsely and they claim to be following the Lord but they're actually totally opposite and they're teaching the ways of Satan he's described the minions as serpents and scorpions Bible speech for the demons that are real but the promises of God are also real I have seen too many things But here's the truth in my personal life is that the demons are coming. Satan is coming really hard. And the closer my walk to the Lord, the harder he comes and tries to knock me off my path. But I'm encouraged by this. Why? Because I must be doing something through the hand of God and the might of God's hand and using me as his conduit to get his word that makes Satan nervous.
And he keeps coming and keeps coming. But I will not relent. I will not fall for that false narrative, the false evidence appearing real that drives me to self-debasement, degradation, self-criticism, and just driving myself. And quite honestly, that's what we do is we drive ourselves to this point. We push the molehills up to these mountains that we finally have to turn to God and say, cast this mountain into the sea. And with the faith that we would have, the size of a mustard seed, it will be done. But we push that mountain up there out of a molehill. We make it a mountain. We make other things appear to be ginormous. The spies came back. Ten gave a negative report. Caleb and Joshua said, we want to believe God. We believe God. He told us that he is going to be with us all the time. And we need to focus on God's word. And every word that God speaks, as promises made, will come to pass. Those guys came back from from Canaan and the out there and they diminished God. They didn't worship God. They didn't magnify God. They said, the first one of the first reports that came back, oh, we can't do this. We we can't do this. Well, of course you can't do it. It was supposed to be your faith in God. But the first word out, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. The land is fraught with giants. Giants live everywhere in the land we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. So first of all, they saw themselves, they put themselves in the center of the scenario and they saw themselves as being weak and minuscule. True, we are. And God knows that. God loves us anyway. He doesn't say, you know what? You're too frail, you're too weak. Man, did I ever make a mistake when I made you? And then here comes a thumb of God down there and his mercy is no longer there and you get pressed down and you get diminished. But God loves us because he created us and he created us to have a relationship. He wants to abide with us and he wants us to abide with him. Pardon me. Pardon me. Sorry about that. See, the enemy likes to get that interference thing going as best he can. And I'm not going to allow that to take place and get me to just stop or some. But I'm going to keep on going. So remember something here, brothers and sisters, and those out there that are listening and have not yet decided. But we have to remember that there's a distinction in abiding and just hanging out. God doesn't want to just hang out. He's with us all the time, but he just doesn't want us to hang out. You know, I see, I see this a lot. Young people want to go to this very popular place, but for whatever reason, they don't ever seem to go inside, probably because they're either underage or they can't get in or their ID is no good or the guy at the door just doesn't like them. I don't whatever the reason, but they just hang out. They want to be seen. 
And you have the SpongeBob Christians and the cultural Christians that do the same thing. They go to the church because their friends or acquaintances are going there and it's a click for them. Well, it's not a clubhouse. This is a house of worship. It's a house of the Lord. He calls us to worship. You might not hear the audible voice if you're not listening, but there's something that draws you there. It's a place that we can commune with him. We can openly worship him, which he is praiseworthy because he is the maker of all things made. He is Yahweh, not only Abba, but Yahweh. So having a relationship, abiding, communing, abiding, relationship, abiding, communication with, abiding, not just hanging out. It's not what it's about. And during all these situations, God brings his peace down that we seek his face, we seek his word, <coughs> pardon me, and sometimes we might not notice it when it's a really bright, beautiful day and, and things are going on. Because it kind of blends in, but in the darkness, that light <laughs> is intense. Trust me in this, brothers and sisters, I have seen that light. I have witnessed that light. And the devil tries to drag me down into the darkness. His minions come and try to drag me down. And sometimes we succumb to that through our weakness because we are weak. And sometimes we just give up, throw our hands up and say, God doesn't want me. He won't forgive this. Who are you to say what God's going to forgive or not forgive? That is the white noise that the enemy wants you to perceive and pay attention to. <clears throat> God, however, says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. That means that he will forgive you. <clears throat> As in the prodigal son that Jesus spoke this parable. The parabolic speech that he learned and brought with him from heaven because he was the word and manifest into flesh and came to this world. But he was with God from the beginning. But Satan wants us to believe more like the prodigal son. And the prodigal son was with God all the time. He took off and he left. He wanted his inheritance and said, you know, I just, I just want what's mine. Give me what's mine. I want it and I'm going to go. And prodigal living just means no logical reasoning, no sense, no common sense, just spending, spending. Uh, we have a term nowadays called a spendthrift. I believe that's what the term is, spendthrift. You just go out and you spend money like nobody's business, like you have a printer in your garage. Kind of like what the government does. When they run out, they print more. That's why the dollar's so devalued. Anyway, <laughs> let's not get on that. But, I mean, that's what we do. Prodigal living. You go out there and you chase all these temporal things. And you spend, 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 spend. He spent everything that he was given. He spent everything that he had. Everything that was his. And he spent it all. And he was living in a sty with a swine. And when they poured the grain and the food out in the trough for them to eat, he fought with pigs to get food because he was starving. 
And none of these people that he spent money on would come and lift him up and give him a hand. They took everything they wanted. They took everything they wanted from him. And they saw that he was willingly putting it out. Prodigal is just living any way that you want. And, well, nowadays it's like they don't care if it hurts somebody or not. But there are so many that I watch that are just in this. I watch them eat and just, and I mean, they're, they're mere feet away. They can reach to the garbage can and put their stuff. They just drop it on the ground. They leave it and drop it, shrug the shoulder, walk off, or they even kick it off the sidewalk so it goes into somebody's yard or somebody's bushes or what have you. They just don't care. But that's what prodigal living does, and it's, it's rampant in the world today. And there used to be how the, when I was much, much younger, actually back when I was first getting ready to go in the military a long time ago, ancient history, it was actually using if it, if it doesn't hurt anyone, just do it. It's okay. Well, it's not okay. And there are folks that are living that prodigal life now, and they, they don't care if it hurts somebody or not as long as they're getting what they want and doing what they want to do. I was watching something very sad. Actually, I was compelled to say something, and I did. Possibly shouldn't, but I couldn't stand it anymore. There was a woman, and she was walking with a dog, an older lady. And this dog was so frightened. I saw her kick it. I saw her hit it with her cane. And there was some young, I don't know if, they're, if they were homeless or just vagrant. I, I don't know. But the dog cowered down, and, and if it could have curled itself into a ball, would have done so. And was so frightened, and she was standing over it, and she would take the leash and wrap it around her wrist. I saw her do it rapidly many times, and then yank the dog in as close to her as possible, and stand over it, yelling down at this dog. And I watch this dog cowering and so afraid. And this is what Satan likes to do to us. He likes us to curl up and cower down, and this dog looked like I was about ready to give up. <clears throat> I, I did say something. I said, if I ever see you do that again, I will call the police because what you're doing is called animal cruelty and it is against the law. Don't want to see. And then, of course, wanted to become argumentative. All I said, I said, I watched you. I saw what happened. Don't do it again. If I see any of this again, I will call. I promise you that. Well, then, of course, all the tertiary expertise came spewing out of that ebb orifice, but that's okay. I couldn't not say something. Anyone who does this to these creatures that I have created and does so for no good reason makes me angry. Those are the words of God to his prophet to tell the nation. No one or nothing simply because they're not homo sapien or of that higher plane of intellect deserve these things. We have to have the peace of God to compel us, to drive us. And we have to be aware of this all the time. And we have to reflect that out. And it's hard to do, but we need to do that thing. We need to show that so that we can overpower darkness and 
um, in my reading is saying that the word that, that is, uh, I like to collaborate with me in this training and do not grow weary and lose heart. So God is training us. He's showing us through the Holy Spirit and leading us through his word and training so that we can do this thing. And in Second Thessalonians, the word is written about the peace of God. And he talks about the peace of the Lord. And I, I just, I pray this strength and a brightness in this world and that we are able to stand upright. We have to stand upright and be bold, be courageous like Daniel, Hananiah, Anziel, Mishael. They were not afraid. They were courageous in their faith in God. And that's what we need to do, brothers and sisters. We don't confront people and be aggressive. I was firm with this woman who was abusing this dog. I was firm. Was not aggressive, just gave her the warning. That was all. I mean, we can do those things. And remember too, that the word says that we can be angry the mind if we're angry, and I was angry. I mean, this was a terrible thing. I watched the fear, and I could almost smell it from that poor dog. Beautiful, beautiful dog. We can be angry, but we have to remain righteous in it. That means that we don't get aggressive, we don't strike anyone, we don't curse them, and we don't use at any time the name of God, Jesus Christ, or the Holy Spirit as a curse on anyone because here's what the Bible says about that. That will boomerang on you. And there are individuals that use that. I've, I've had some people do that. <clears throat> they get so mad. Well, the blood of Christ be on you. Have a blessed day. Because they didn't get what they wanted to get. They were being aggressive with other people. <clears throat> and once in a while, intercession is needed. As long as it's in protocol and, and doing that. And that's what they got. They tried to use the blood of Jesus as a curse and blessing me, <laughs> wrongfully so. But I did. I had a blessed day. But here's the thing, too. You have to be wary of those individuals. You don't say, yeah, well, bless you, too. Because in reality, what you're saying is that God should condone what they're doing. So be wary of issuing blessings. You have to be righteous in this. And God and the Holy Spirit will teach. And they do teach. Don't get worry and lose heart. So in 2 Thessalonians, and where are we at here? Oops, I went to the wrong place. I am so sorry about that. Went right to the wrong place. In 2 Thessalonians 3.16 specifically, um, 
So as Paul's epistle to Timothy, and if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. So Paul is saying that you you can separate yourself and we, we actually should do that. If you have somebody that continually refuses to obey the word of the Lord and to follow protocols and things that are right. And they keep doing all these things and showing out and trying to draw others into that, that we separate ourselves from them. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means, the Lord be with you all. So Paul, see that Timothy was having some issues and he had written to Paul and was looking for guidance. There were things that were going on and uh, where he was at. And Paul was, was giving him brotherly, fatherly, godly, righteous advice. And that we're not supposed to confront somebody. We don't get on, but you can admonish them. Admonish them is just not berating them, not degrading them, but admonishing means taking them from the direction that they're going and reminding them that there's a right way, a righteous way, and a correct way. And if they refuse to listen and heed that, then you just separate yourself. a sad situation here for me personally, and, and sometimes I find myself becoming a little despondent by it, but I, I pray, and I pray for them. I do, but I separate myself. I have fellow employees that are that way. They are just all about self. They are all about just coming in. Dry. They don't do what they should be doing, and I've tried to help and advise and finding that they're, oh man, they're very quick to rebut. They're very quick to have a sharp tongue. So I separate, I stay back, I stay away and I pray for good judgment and safety and all of those things. I do, I pray for them because that's what we're told we should do. But we have to also remember that John writes and reminds us this, that, that all those good things that God promises, that they're there and they're real and he will carry them out and he will do these things. And John 1, 4 through 5, John talks about um, the light and he's talking about Jesus Christ. Well, we should go back to one because I mentioned that before. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Abba Yahweh, the maker of all things made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth into darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Darkness is another name for Satan. Another pseudonym. 
comprehended it not because the authority that Jesus carries in that light that we are to reflect into the world. But there are those that will be unreceptive to it. They don't get it. They don't understand it. Prayer is important. And what we also have to be aware of that the word reminds us of this. Pardon me. I am sorry. But we can find this. I I love, actually, I love this part of Hebrews, which is uh, an excellent letter, by the way, Paul. Thank you. But just as I shared with you here in, in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The day is approaching. And then you have those that are going to be tapping their watch and tapping their feet and say, well, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Well, it's not any of your business because just like the disciples at Jesus' time and some disciples now do the same thing, well, when is the second coming, man? And they try to mathematically figure it out. Well, it's none of your business. And as Jesus told them, he tells you and I tell you. No one knows except the Father when that time and hour is come. The angels don't even ask about it. When God says it's time, he will tap his watch and say, all right, let's go. Then the trump will sound, the heavens will split, and the lion of the tribe of Judah, as promised, will return, and every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and then the ponderance amongst them will be, why didn't we listen? Why didn't you listen? Well, what do you mean, why didn't I listen? Why didn't you listen? Why didn't you talk me into believing? And then that's going to be the murmuring in the crowd. After all is said and done, they'll say, we should have listened. We could have listened. We should have listened. I would have listened if you had said something. And then that goes back and forth. Yeah, well, I'm saying something. I'm saying something about the gospel of God, the Father, Jesus Christ, his son, and I am about my father's business, being about my father's business. I love Hebrews. Chapter 11, one, speaking to us of faith. But in this particular portion of the letter to the Hebrews, Paul is talking and he talks about that we have great cloud of witnesses. We have the brothers and sisters that are about us in church and declaration for that. And he talks about all the things that are going on in the world. And you have to remember that these churches that that Paul helped to see were encompassed by idol worshipers, false uh, prophets and teachers, and they came in and it seemed like all the churches were being attacked. And then, of course, you have his letter to the Hebrews to uh, exhort them, to help them to try to be upright. Wherefore, in chapter 12, 1, wherefore, seeing we all so are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. It's important. Paul writes a lot about this. And I've shared many times with you about the onset that David had. A lot of the things that he had going on were in his mind. But he always returned to God. He came back. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Meaning that sharing the word and not yet, somebody hasn't come and kicked my door down and killed me because of my faith and my belief. But here's the thing that I pray about and pray for, that I would yet have the strength that when, if and when something like that would take place, that I would not renounce my Lord and Savior and that I would not deny my faith in God. And if my life be forfeit for that reason, so be it. So be it. Amen. Amen. That I would have the strength to endure that portion. And let me share this with you right here and now. And don't listen to the white noise that comes from Satan. Because that very thing is taking place now. Just as it did in the time that Paul wrote many of his letters. And in the time that Jesus Christ was walking physically on the face of this planet. You have the Chinese and the communist government there that is pushing this. Because here's the thing we have to also understand, that not every Chinese person, not every Korean person is following what the communist leaders are doing. They They don't go along with that. They don't buy that. They believe that it should be all one Korea. They should be, believe that it should be all one China. And they believe in God and Jesus Christ and that we should all be united as one. Those individuals are being cast into prison. They're being put into re-education camps and be weary. There are some politicians that were elected into office. <laughs> Who knows why that happened, but wonder how that's working out now. They are talking about, and they are actually building re-education camps. That term slipped out and was used, but they call them something else. (laughs) But that slip of the tongue is too late because let me tell you what, it got burnt deep into me as soon as I heard it. Just like some of these things here that I know are true and these lies that they're painting because I went to school for these things in the military of all places. I went and I know and I have scientific knowledge and wisdom, but there's people that would rather feed on the lie. And that happens. Prayers go out. But this elected official called these re-education camps. And it's happening now. So we have not been taken yet unto death, as Paul is writing about here. But he's talking about that we that they've forgotten about the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son despised not the chastening of the Lord, 
nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If he endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if he be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, from then are ye bastards and not sons. And what Paul is saying is that if you refuse to take that admonishment and faithfully walk into this thing, because let me tell you, your earthly parents chastened you. And if they didn't try to correct you and guide you and lead you, and there are many kids out there and there are parents (laughs) that they don't want to touch their children. They don't want to chasten them. They don't want to and they give them everything that they want to have. I actually witnessed where I was working before. These kids would come on. And I had one that I actually watched lose a several thousand dollar laptop a notebook or whatever it was in, in back in those days. I watched him lose this thing. And I didn't see who had taken it, but I, I noticed that he was... He had come in with a shoulder bag and what was in the shoulder bag. And then I watched him in the very back area and he was um, using this thing. And then when he went to leave, he didn't have it. And when he went by me, I said, where's your shoulder bag? And he's, then he starts touching his body. Hello. Couldn't tell that he didn't have it on. Walked in with it and actually bumped into several things. So it, it drew, you know, had to, to move to... But at any rate, he didn't even realize that it was gone, then went back and it was gone. He goes, well, and then he comes up and he's squawking and crying. Oh, who took that? You didn't see anything? I said, let me explain something to you. <laughs> I said, there are a lot of people that come in and out here and the person could have used the other people to block while exiting the back door. No, I didn't see who took it, who touched it, and... I don't understand why you just, you didn't put it back in the bag and bring it with you. He goes, oh, well, uh, my parents would just give me another one. I said, excuse me? Didn't have respect for what he had already been given and had none exhibited none. And this is how many are in the world today. Do not take God for granted. I've heard Others say, oh, well, God will God, God will do it. God will this and God will that. Sorry, but it doesn't exactly work that way. They think that God has a magic wand. He's just going to bonk things or bonk them on the head and everything will be fine. But they're not following the word of God. He promises certain things, but he also promises that there will come hardships, but we need to run to him and not away from him. And we need to have faith in him. And that just like our earthly parents who should have been leading and guiding us, admonishing us when that needed to be done, and if need be, that would receive punishment. And that is what God does. Although God does not come to the point of, well, yeah, I guess you would, you would, if he allows you to walk into something that is uncomfortable and that is something that you need to be focused on him for and about and praying about, he will allow that to happen to strengthen your faith and draw you closer because he is a good, good father. God is great. God is good. 
and he is Abba Yahweh. Don't let go of that. And that is in the word of God, his treasury, it is a promise. It's going to be a great day. Uh, It's going to be way up in the 70s today. Be blessed. Seek his face. Stay in the word. And for those of you that have not made the choice yet, you can do it. Just tell God that you do believe and accept that Jesus Christ is his only begotten son. You want to have faith in him and you want the Holy Spirit to guide your steps. Have a great day.